0: and welcome to yet another episode of Pets at Home Puppy Podcast. I am Kate Cornish, editor of my VIP magazine, which is the customer magazine for Pets at Home. And joining me today, my guests are Claire Gavin, who is Director of Creative Development and Innovations at Pets at Home. And joining me imminently is the lovely Dr. Samantha Butler-Davis, who is the Veterinary Clinical Services Manager at Vets for Pets. Hi, Sam. Hello. We're going to be talking about Well, not everything that's problematic, just ways to keep your puppy happy and healthy during these warmer months. Um, As this probably goes out, it will more than likely be mid-August. So we're well into the summer holidays and you might already be on holiday. You might have already suffered that horrendous. But, you know, some people might say horrendous. I actually quite enjoyed it. Heat wave that we had in July. But anyway, so. Sam, let's kick off with the most important thing, really, which all, let's face it, all responsible puppy owners should be aware of already,
1: overheating and heat stroke. Over to you, Samantha. Thank you. I mean, you know, every year we see messages coming out on social media, messages from your vets about the importance of heat stroke, but it's so important to keep reiterating things you need to do and things you need to look out for. Um, And the reason for that is that fatal heat stroke can happen within minutes, Unlike humans, dogs don't sweat. They actually rely on panting and releasing heat that way. Um, And so that's the only way they can really regulate their body temperature. So basically, imagine wearing a thick fur coat, going out into your garden and sitting there, and you'll understand very quickly why dogs can actually suffer so quickly in the heat. And we often think about those really hot summer days. You said, you know, the, the heat wave. That's when we're worried about. But actually, even when temperatures are just hitting 20 degrees and it's overcast, you've still got to be really, really careful about about heat strokes. It It can be a challenge to some dogs. So if we look at some of the signs of heat stroke in puppies, this could include something very severe, such as sudden collapse. But also there can be subtle signs as well. You might notice that your puppy is starting to slow down on a walk or laying down more than normal might start dribbling a little bit as well, and their panting might start to sound excessive. So if you, if you start to become worried and you think your pet might be suffering from heat stroke, most important thing first of all is move them into a cool place, preferably with a draft blowing over them, and just wet their coat with cool, not freezing water, and contact your vet immediately. Sometimes people talk about popping a wet towel over your dog, that's OK, but be, be very wary. That can heat up very quickly and actually keep the heat in. So just coating that coat with water is a really good idea. What's important, though, is once a puppy starts to show signs of heat stroke, the damage is already happening and it's an emergency situation. So I can't stress enough. Call your vet.
0: That's another thing I was going to ask, actually. I was, I was talking to one of my colleagues before um, we came on air and um, both of our dogs love to just lie in the patch of sun indoors with the sun streaming through and though he well buddy here is doing it now he will lie there all after well lie there for as long as he can until he sort of literally just goes and then just rolls out and then just goes and sits somewhere cool. I mean he, he's you know he's he's an adult dog but I don't suppose puppies are that wised up to um you know how long they can stay in the sun. So you, you really shouldn't let your puppy even if they look like they're enjoying it, I assume you shouldn't let your puppy lie out in you know baking hot
1: sun even yeah. though it looks like they're having a nice time. Absolutely. Because as well, puppies, as we know, they're always on the go. They always want to be doing something. They won't know to stop when they feel hot. But when they do stop, they may find that sunbeam. And you're absolutely right. That's just so, so hot for them. So even you can use things like cool mats. That's a good idea. But try and encourage them to be out of that direct sunlight.
0: Okay. so how else can we help? Keep our puppies
1: cool and prevent them from getting heat stroke. I mean, one of, the, one of the easiest things is just to make sure your puppy's got access to water at all times, preferably a nice large bowl filled right up to the brim. And if you're going on a walk, always carry water in a bowl with you like a collapsible bowl. And on those hot days, walk your puppy in the cooler parts really early in the morning, late in the evening. Avoid that main part of the day completely. We've spoken obviously about looking out for the signs of heat stroke. And that includes inside as well, as we mentioned previously, make sure there's a breeze, make sure you've got open windows, access to cool areas and don't let them have access to a conservatory in the heat. They can rapidly heat up. I suppose Um, that's just as bad as leaving them in a hot car, leaving them in a hot conservatory. Absolutely. And that's the number one message here is you never, ever should leave a pet, puppy, anything in a car, even with the windows open. You know, a car can become an oven really quickly. When it's 22 degrees outside, the temperature in a car can reach 47 degrees centigrade in a very short period of time. Mm. And I've actually sat in a car for about five minutes on a 23, 24 degree day, and it became unbearable after five minutes.
0: Oh, Lordy, a couple of weeks ago, I foolishly, I got um, sort of Fake, well, plastic covers um, in my car. And uh, yeah, I, lit- I sat in it without even thinking. It literally took the skin off the back of my arm. So God knows what it's doing to my
1: little puppy's paws, you know. I mean, paws, you know, the yeah, sticky paws, burnt paws, but you know how it feels when you're surrounded by heat. You just can't oh. get breath. And oh. we can regulate our temperatures, but puppies can't. So it's so incredibly dangerous, so dangerous. And that's why we say, not even with a window open, because there's no breeze going through there at all.
0: Okay, so obviously the never leave a dog in a car, even for a moment, not long is too long. Can we what happens if I mean, you, you know, you see cases of it on the news and online, people smashing windows to free a dog from a hot car that's found in a supermarket. Can you get into trouble for that? Or are you doing the right thing? Obviously, you are because the dog might die. But can you get into trouble yourself for doing that? What What's the law around that? Do you know?
1: So what I would say here is if you do see a dog that you're concerned about that's in distress or is just in a car on a hot day, call the police. They will advise you what to do in that situation. On occasions, they may advise you to smash the window, but it's important to follow the advice of the police and not act independently. Okay. One thing I would say is, you know, One thing you can do is if you're at a supermarket, for example, go inside and ask them to put out a tannoy message as well. But always call the police, take their advice on the situation.
0: So there are certain breeds of dog who suffer a lot worse in the hotter months. And these are called brachycephalic. Sam, am I saying that right on. Brachycephalic <laughs> dogs. So Brachy, let's call it Brachy for short, because I'm bound to get it wrong at one point. So the Brachy breeds of dog are breeds such as Pugs, French Bulldogs, English Bulldogs, Shih Tzus and King Charles Spaniels. These dogs are uh, the, the types of breed that have been bred to have a flatter face. And, you know, although they're fun and loving companions, they're all lovely dogs. It's no surprise that they are popular pets because of that. But sadly, they do tend to suffer more from certain health problems than um, their dogs with longer snouts so Sam why do brachy dogs overheat why do they have such a bad time in in the heat
1: so if you think about your Frenchie your bulldog you can recognize the face immediately and they've got a short muzzle and there's a couple of other things that's happening internally and they can be predisposed to a condition known as brachycephalic obstructive airway syndrome known as BOAS Um, There's a couple of elements to this. Part of it is that their nasal cavity is very constricted and they also can have partial obstruction of their pharynx and larynx, which is their throat. What happens here is when a dog pants, air passes along the nose and throat, helping the dog to cool down. Think about your Labrador. Nice long nose, lots of surface area. They're going to cool down nicely. Dogs who are brachycephalic, as they pant, the entire airway tract is smaller and actually it can become inflamed and swollen. So an already constricted area becomes even more constricted. So sadly, we see these dogs, they can collapse when they run around or they get excited. They may even become so deprived of oxygen, which is something called hypoxia. um, When you'd see when the tongue or the lips turn blue or purple, they can lose consciousness and they can die. And when we're talking about overheating, if you just think back to that short nose, short throat, constricted nose, they just can't get that air in. They can't get the airflow going to cool themselves down. And it happens so rapidly.
0: So how can listeners
1: help their brachy puppy if they've got a bracky breed? First thing I'd say is, is have a chat with your vet. There's certain examinations that we can do to see how affected, affected they are by BOAS, if indeed they are. Some have fantastic conformation, big wide nostrils, and they're at the lower end of the scale of BOAS. Others can be quite severely affected. There are surgeries that can be performed, um, you know, not to be taken lightly. And again, chat this over with your vet. And there are some things that you can do, obviously, within hot weather and general weather, all the things that we've already spoken about, but you need to take even extra special care. With your bracky breeds really special care
0: okay so like you say if in doubt if you're unsure just consult your vet if you have any concerns want more information about caring for your bracky breed okay so let's move on to walkies when it comes to walks what kinds of things
1: should owners be thinking about in the summer I'm going to say it again. Walk in the early morning, walk in the early evening or late evening. There's a test you can do. So if you go outside and you put your palm down on the pavement or the hot sand if you're on a beach, if you can't keep your hand down, it's too hot. Um, And the general rule anyway is if you are outside and you're too hot, it's too hot for your puppy.
0: Yeah. Imagine the the little fur coat wearing little thing by your side is going to be uber hot if you're hot so yeah so is there anything you can do so like you know doing the, the test is brilliant um what did you say leave your palm on the floor for five seconds
1: yeah about five seconds just hold it there if it's uncomfortable for you imagine your puppy's paws there that's uncomfortable because they're constantly walking on that that tarmac you may think oh well that's okay because i'm going to walk on grass but the whole temperature around you is too hot yeah so it's not just the paws down on the pavement it, it's so hot it's made the ground that hot therefore it's too hot it's just simply yeah. too hot
0: yeah and I suppose even um putting some paw balm on before you go for a walk that's not going to help in hot weather is it really because it's just going to melt fall off
1: correct and again it's just too hot I'm going to sound so repetitive aren't I but it it's just it's if it's too hot it's just too hot and one thing I'd say is obviously your puppy needs exercise you know you've got that set they like going out for their walks during the day One or two days without a walk is not going to do them too much harm. But going out when it's too hot will. So it's okay to skip a walk or two.
0: Great. Good advice. I mean, to to be honest, dogs don't really like going out when it's too hot anyway, do they? I mean, they're, they're going to like
1: you for it, to be honest. I'm going to be honest now and say I have an 11 month old puppy. He's fantastic. He's a black Labrador. He's terribly naughty. He finds the sunbeams and we are constantly (laughs) having to move him. So I'm a vet. I know what I should be doing. And I've got a puppy who's really challenging me in regards. Well, I'm going to go into the sunbeam. He's a naughty boy. Oh, you can
0: hear mine barking because someone's just walked past the house, honestly. You want a good guard dog, get a Jack Russell. (laughs) Okay, where were we? So, all right. So, um, let's go back. It's still hot. We're still
1: outside in the sunshine. Can you apply sunscreen to puppies? You can, actually. You can. Now, think about it, especially if you've got a white coat, coated dog or one of the hairless breeds, then it's really important to put sunscreen on. Um, And as we know, as people, even the sun in that early morning can be quite strong. So, Tips of ears, tips of nose, Uh, but what you want to do is find a pet-specific, safe sunscreen. Yeah, don't don't go using your own. No, don't use adult, don't use your own. You can get it in pets at home. Great. Just, this might be a really stupid question. Does black
0: fur,
1: the much darker fur, does that absorb heat more than the lighter fur dogs? I think it's fair to say it does. Again, with my own dog, I notice very quickly that his hair gets really, really hot. Um, so yes and the same you'll see with black cats you know I know we're on puppies podcast but I can mention a cat briefly um, mm-hmm. when they're basking out there they're really hot to the touch and so yes I would say it does
0: yeah of course I mean if if the if the fur is hot on your puppy then the entire puppy is going to be hot absolutely, absolutely. do puppies ever come in in contact with things like insecticides is that an issue or is that something that rarely
1: happens it's more likely to be in your garden, actually. Oh, you, know, okay. you yourself has sprayed. You're growing your vegetables. You've given yeah. them a spray to get rid of all the bugs and things like that, or your, your your rose bushes, for example. Yeah. So I would just be take real care with what you're using in the garden, and don't let your puppy munch on any of the flowers, anyway, or plants. Another thing I'd actually just probably touch on here as well is that, especially in England, because we're we're sort of like we're wet and warm, aren't we? So slugs love this weather, and you might be tempted to put slug bait down really really toxic to puppies so just don't do it in an area where they are and conversely be careful with slugs and snails because then we've got the lungworm risk so it's important to keep your puppy up to date with their preventative parasite treatment
0: yeah absolutely So how about insect stings, staying staying with the garden in the garden theme? Um, And also, obviously, you're going to encounter them when you're out on your walk. Any particular insect stings harmful to
1: puppies? Puppies are so curious, aren't they, by nature? And you can see them, they get distracted by flying insects in the garden. And what we're probably looking at here is your wasps and your bees. Keep a really close eye on them when they're out and about. You can try and use positive training techniques to distract them from those bees and wasps. Always reward them for ignoring them Um, and maybe have a favourite toy to distract them. But if your puppy does get stung, first things first, don't panic. Keep calm. That will help keep them calm. If it's a bee and you can see the sting, then try and remove it with some tweezers. Now, generally, if a puppy's stung on its foot or its leg, we don't see many issues. It just gets a bit puffy. But the most common place for a puppy to be stung is the mouth or the face because they've been chasing them. Of course it is. And they're trying to eat
0: it. Yes.
1: They generally only do this once. The problem with the obviously with the face is that they can can swell quite rapidly. The tongue, the throat. So it's a good idea to actually contact your vet straight away if your puppy has been stung anywhere on the face or the throat.
0: I was going to say because that is that going to get inflamed and swell up
1: and have anaphylactic issues or sort of oxygen restriction issues. Anaphylactic reactions are rarer. You're more looking at localized swelling, but still, tongue swells up if they've been stung on the tongue. That's going to could could obstruct the airway. So that's why again, keep calm call your vet and explain what's happened. If they're stung elsewhere, like their leg, their paw, seem very distressed or the swelling isn't going down, again, give your vet a call. Okay, if in doubt, call your vet. Always.
0: Okay, so keeping with this theme, we're still out and about. We've mentioned something in my VIP magazine recently about grass seeds being problematic to puppies or dogs in general. What? What's that about?
1: I think it's fair to say that grass seeds are the nemesis of vets and vet nurses across the country during during summer months. Now, the reason being is if you can imagine a grass seed, they've got reverse barbs on them. So when it goes in, it will keep travelling in. And it's really difficult to pull them out because you go to pull and the barbs separate out backwards. Where do we see this? Paws are the big ones. Paws and ears. In between the toes on the paws, because they're gallivanting through. Fields and they get all caught up. Long haired breeds, especially spaniels, because the grass seed gets caught. Yeah, all the hair, hairy ears, hairy toes, but also grass seeds down the ears as well. So, what might you be looking for? Little swelling in between your dog's toes or itching ear, really bothering the ear. In extreme cases, thankfully rarer, but it can happen. Sometimes dogs could inhale a grass seed. That can happen and that can cause problems that can involve quite more advanced veterinary surgery medicine to take care of them. Thankfully, with your grass seeds down the ear or in the toes, a nice pair of fine forceps by your by your vet, we grab it, we pop it out. It's very satisfying as a vet to do that. And <laughs> also we're doing is we're stopping the distress immediately for those puppies. Because yeah. they can get aggravated, they can lick and lick and lick. So actually if you see a dog licking and licking at its feet in grass seed season, which is you know summer, yeah something's going on mm-hmm. so don't don't do anything yourself just take take your puppy straight
0: to there don't put, put any antiseptic or anything on or try and yank it out yourself just straight to the bed no, you've got to be
1: really delicate when you remove it and also quite often especially with puppies we've got to give them a little bit of sedation so that we can keep them nice and calm and still and pull that grass seed out
0: section of this uh, summer special is travel. so depending on when this episode of the puppy podcast is broadcast um hopefully it's going to be August 2021 but you know what what's been happening in the last 12 months things might change in the next six 12 months we don't know. hopefully everything's back to normal and it will stay normal but in times of covid you can't be sure. so just to caveat ourselves here. As we're talking right now, at the end of July in 2021, foreign travel to some parts of Europe is back on. So let's take a look at how to responsibly care for your puppy if you're going abroad with them. Sam, what 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 are the main points for for travelling abroad with your dog? So
1: travelling to the EU has changed a lot since Brexit for for pets, and pet passports issued in Great Britain are no longer valid. Can't use them. So instead. When a puppy travels to the EU, they need to be issued an animal health certificate. I'm going to call them from on now AHCs. Okay. The big thing about AHCs is they take a bit more planning than pet passports. And the biggest thing I would encourage puppy owners to do is contact your vet at least one month before you plan to travel. Now, in broad terms, at this time now, because things could change, there's a number of requirements. First of all, Your puppy has to have a rabies vaccine. If they've never had one before or their previous one is out of date, you're going to have to arrange to get a new one. And your puppy can't travel until 21 days from having that vaccine. Wow, it's three weeks. Crikey. So is is rabies still rife in some areas of the world
0: then? I mean, I know it hasn't been eradicated completely, but it is still an issue then. This is about
1: protecting us right within great britain to keep us a rabies free nation okay, right okay obviously we don't want our puppies when they go abroad catching rabies but it's about protecting us to keep us to have you know that we don't have rabies in this country so we're good in that respect it's still on the rabies vaccination if your puppy is old enough to have had a rabies vac- vaccination previously you're fine and if it's still in date you don't need to repeat it However, there are more requirements. Some countries, some EU countries have specific requirements around tapeworm prevention. What I'm not going to do is list those countries because, again, that could change. Now, in order for your vet to issue an AHC, they have to have done additional training and they have to be what's called an official veterinarian. If they don't have that qualification, they can't issue an AHC. Promise it's the last bit nearly. Once you've got your AHC, it's valid for 10 days from date of issue. Gosh, only 10 days. Only 10 days. What if you want to go on holiday for three weeks? No, no, sorry. So it's it's you have to leave the country to enter into the EU. You've got 10 days from date of issue. Right, got you, sorry. No, don't you can't only go away for 10 days. (laughs) But once you're abroad, you it's valid for four months. Or, there's always an or, for four months or the date of expiry of your rabies vaccination. Whatever comes first. OK, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So just a quick recap. Planning is essential. Make sure your own vet is an official veterinarian who's done additional training to be able to issue animal health certificates. Contact them at least a month before you need to travel. Plan accordingly. You can go yourself onto the pet travel website, which will list all the requirements at the moment. And the certificate is only valid for the 10 days from date of issue. So it's all about pre planning.
0: Okay. And we will put the details of that website in the notes for this episode. So before we move on to our next guest, Claire Gavin, who's going to talk about all the things you need to know and have for a staycation with your pup. Uh, Sam, is there anything else you want to add around foreign
1: travel before we move on? Yeah, so your, your puppy, to, in order to obtain an animal health certificate, will also have to be microchipped. Obviously, it's important to know that actually your breeder Is required to microchip your puppy and you shouldn't really be getting a puppy before eight weeks of age and there's actually Lucy's law that protects against the selling of puppies under eight weeks of age.
0: Listeners we will put a uh, link into the notes saying what Lucy's law is because we we just haven't got time to it's, it's it's a very important campaign that was started a while ago it's now actual law And it's worth you reading up on it anyway, because
1: there's some very important information in there for your puppy's welfare. I would say it's one of the first things you want to have a read of when you're planning to get a puppy, so you're well aware of all the rules and regulations. So a while ago, in a previous
0: episode, I spoke to Claire Gavin, who's the Director of Creative Development and Innovation at Pets at Home. And she spoke about the kind of products, bits of kit that you would need when you want to travel with your puppy and also took us through some advice and tips and tricks on what to do when you're staycationing with your puppy. So to save you having to scroll back and re-listen to the entire episodes, although they are both good and I suggest that you do because there's lots of good advice in there. So it's episodes uh, 14 and 15 of the Puppy Podcast, but we thought just for ease we, we would revisit Claire talking about staycationing and traveling with your puppy so here we go so let's kick off claire with before you leave what 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 have you got to pack before you even consider getting your puppy in the
2: car well, I think it's really important to work out um, what your plan is when you when you get to your destination. So it's important to work out where a local vet would be just so you're prepared. Um, I'm sure you won't you won't need to use them, but just in case. Obviously your, your puppy needs to be microchipped and it needs to be wearing a collar and tag at all times. And I'd recommend that you take along your puppy's medical records to show its vaccination status and also a copy of your pet insurance. And then I guess it depends whether your puppy is going to be travelling on the back seat of your car or whether um, it's preferable and safer for the puppy to be in the boot. Um, Certainly with my puppy, she has um, a soft crate um, with a padded crate liner. Um, in the boot which is secured um, she has a toy in there that just distracts her and keeps her busy rather than focusing on the journey and i'm so lucky she's so good in the car i don't hear a peep from her um, so a distracting toy is a great idea. And sometimes I put a blanket in um, just so that she has something that smells of home. Certainly when I brought her back from the breeder, I also took um, a towel from uh, the, uh, her mum. So um, if you're taking a new puppy on a journey, it's a good idea to take that blanket as well or anything that smells of the mum.
0: Absolutely. Um, let me stop you there because I want to um, basically have some chit chats. I haven't asked you properly yet. How is Amber?
2: And can you tell the listener um, how adorable she is, what she is, and how old she is, please? Of course, yes. Um, I have a six and a half month old cockapoo. Um, She's an apricot colour and she's called Amber and um, she's an absolute delight. She has been the length and breadth of the country already, only at six and a half months. And she's just a fantastic traveller. And I realise that that is a privilege because not all dogs do like travelling in the car. So I'm very fortunate.
0: Absolutely. There's a lot of there's a lot of sick and a lot of poo, uh, our favourite subjects that we, uh, sorry, but we always end up talking about sick and poo a lot. And um, so have you, have you been all right with
2: her then? She, she hasn't had any accidents. No, no accidents whatsoever. Having said that though, Kate, I do okay. make sure that I've got loads of towels, loads of poop bags, loads of wet wipes, and always a roll of kitchen towel, just in case there was ever a mishap. Um, and I'm facing into to cleaning something up.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, as I say, you, you, you've, uh, you had to sacrifice quite a lot of clothing space purely for the YP uh, products by the sounds of it. <laughs> Actually,
2: you're exactly right. We really did have to do that. The car was absolutely stacked full, mainly hanging clothes because there was no room in the car for a case from our last holiday. Oh, yeah, of course,
0: because you've also got not only her staff, you've also got the dog, the crate, all her gear, all her toys. So, yeah, that's another thing to bear in mind, folks. Uh, space. Yeah, you've got another member of the family that has an awful lot of accessories in the car with you. Exactly. Exactly.
2: That is so right. So I'm sorry, I completely interrupted. Where were we? So we were talking about, you know, if your dog is going to travel in the boot with you. Um, One thing, obviously... I'm lucky because I've got quite a small puppy, but not everyone's puppy is small and they get very heavy very quickly. Mm. Um, So being able to pick them up and get them into the boot, if that's where they're going to travel, um, can be really helpful to have things like a ramp um, or steps that you can actually connect. And also a boot liner that has a flap that you can push down over the back of the car. Um, That protects you when you're standing near to the car, but also means that the car's not scratched if you're... um, if you're lifting your, your puppy up and yeah. and um its feet get um caught
0: yeah and also it's a good shout if you do have a large breed puppy you don't need to put your back out before you've even um stopped.
2: yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly but you know lots of people um have their their puppy sat on the back seat which is totally fine mm. um if you're doing that i would recommend that you um purchase a, a car hammock that protects your back seats and actually the um, area between the two front seats so your dog couldn't um risk going between the seats
0: so that's the thing um it's like uh it is actually like a hammock it it, it it is clips onto the back headrest of the back that's seat right and the headrest of the front seat so you've got a complete sort of yeah, hammock that yeah that completely seals
2: the back seat in and stops him jumping through the front exactly. seat But also, it's really critical that you make sure you've got a seatbelt restraint. Um, You can purchase these in many, many places. They should be crash tested. Um, That means that your puppy is restrained safely. They can't wander around the back seat. Um, You really want them sitting uh, nice and calmly or lying down. I um, would recommend that you take a blanket or their bed to sit on. If you've got a very small breed dog, um, some people like to use a booster seat. So that's a kind of contained Square bed, if you like, that just gives them a little bit of height so they can see out the car. Yeah, um,
0: no, so it's normally either puppies, chihuahuas, or the little Yorkies that you yeah. see. Sort of yeah, that's, right. So cute.
2: that's right, that's right. And um, I always use a toy as a, a bit of a distraction and a boredom buster. What's, that, like, what's Amber's toy? Oh, she's got um, a rope crab <laughs> from pets at home, of course. Of yeah course. Um, So he goes everywhere that she goes in the car. He hasn't and been then, destroyed yet. No, not at all. No, no, no. She's she's very chewy, but she doesn't destroy anything. It's quite, quite interesting. She's got very soft, soft nature, I think. Yeah. And the other thing that you can do is um, pop a plug in diffuser into your air vents. That's just um, a pheromone, gives off a pheromone that is quite calming to puppies. I certainly use one in the house. Many people do. And then the other thing that I would suggest is a really great thing. And you really, you know, your your dog should always have have access to um, fresh water but obviously that's that can be tricky when you're driving and um, you know the car is is not stationary so you can get various bowls that keep water within them but I would recommend regular stops and something like our Three Peaks uh, travel water bottle Um, it has a silicone uh, leaf shaped uh, holder for the water Uh, it's absolutely brilliant I would recommend that highly There's also um, collapsible food bowls that you can use that actually are easy to put away. Um, I've said about wet wipes for sure, um, but kitchen towel as well to clean out those bowls. Poop Mm -hmm. bags. Well, you can't go anywhere without poop bags, can you? And also worth mentioning. life vests are a great idea in the main dogs dogs don't necessarily know how to swim some take to it more easily than others but if they are going to go in the water um, a life vest with a a chin razor is a really great piece of kit to have
0: so claire give us a,
2: a rundown of, of some essential items that you need in your camping kit for your puppy well, um, you obviously need a bed. Um, you can actually get sleeping bags for dogs. You can uh, Yeah, you can, you can. They're brilliant oh, if oh, your oh, dog's oh. a bit of a burrower, like a, a Um But, you know, you need uh, ideally a kind of a canvassy, um, shower-proof bed for them. Yeah. A tent, they can have their own tent. I would say that, Toys that um, are not ones that are thrown long distances are a great idea. Um, We're not particularly fans of um, ball um, launchers for puppies just because you want to really ensure your puppy's not running too fast or jumping too high. Yeah, I need Uh, to rein them in a bit. Exactly. So, um, But toys that are safe and that aren't going to get lost, that are bright coloured and that don't get lost in the grass – Obviously, dogs see more clearly in blue and yellow. So those colored toys um, will be easy for you to spot and easier for the dog to spot. Mm -hmm. And then a tie-out cable is a brilliant piece of kit. You literally screw it into the ground and you can get varying lengths. Um, It's a stainless steel cable protected by um, uh, plastic coating, a bit like a washing line, if you will. Um, And it just means that your dog is obviously I wouldn't personally leave my dog untended with one, but at least you know that it's at the end of a steel rope. um and you can you can control where it's at. yeah, and it they're really handy. I've got off. two of those that stay in my boot all the time. um they're 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 just great, and I think it's really important to remember that. You know, younger puppies will be teething whilst you are traveling. Uh, that doesn't stop. So um, calming treats or teething treats are a great idea. But also really important to remember uh, toys or chews or things like antlers that they can relieve their um, their gums with um, yeah. and chew. Because if you are staying somewhere, you don't want them chewing your tent or Anything else that you've got that they shouldn't be chewing. So it's guide really ropes, So you wouldn't have a tent. <laughs> You'd have Indeed. a on the floor, Indeed. which is Yes. <laughs> so good idea to take your own ro- rope toy rather than yeah. the, the, the guide ropes. Yeah, absolutely. And th- that's great for keeping their teeth clean as well.
0: We said off Mike, that you uh, had Amber, your adorable little puppy, stayed in quite a lot of different types of accommodation. So yeah, you, you're
2: pretty much an expert on these matters. <laughs> I've learned very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> we've we've done hotels and we've done self-catering accommodation and um most places um that we've looked at you, you do have to pay to um, take your puppy or your dog. Some don't like you to take a puppy that's under six months. Um, there are some places that we were considering that wanted the puppy to be over a year old. So we had to discount those. Oh. Um, but it, it's quite cool that when you arrive at these places, um, the likelihood is that any great accommodation um, will probably give you a... Um, A bed for the dog, um, a bowl, and maybe some treats and some toys. And um, that's been quite amusing because they don't smell like home, and they won't necessarily be what your puppy's used to. So I would recommend first and foremost, regardless of where you're staying, that you take your crate and your cover and your um, puppy's bed that sits within the crate. I, I use a bed and a blanket that smells of home. And that's the first thing that we were unpacking. And, you know, every time that you need to maybe leave your room or your accommodation, it is best to know that your puppy is contained. Um, Obviously, you don't want to leave it for long periods of time. But if somebody was to come into your room and your puppy escaped out of the door because they weren't expecting the puppy to be just loose in the room, that would just be catastrophic. Um, I would recommend that you take your own food and water bowls as well. Um, Amber is a pro at turning over anything that has her water in that is light. And um, Mm -hmm. at one place we stayed, we had a a very lovely plastic water bowl, which she just flipped over, so I put that in the cupboard and uh, used my own. Um, it's funny, isn't it, that I think accommodations not necessarily expecting a puppy that's probably small. So um we turned up at one place, and there was a very lovely, very large stainless steel uh, bowl sat on a dog mattress, waiting for amber, and it terrified her. She just lay down and barked at it until i um I hid it. She'd probably use a bath or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, In in the same respect, I mean, these places that we've stayed have been very kind. They've um, left toys, which is just like... It's like Christmas Day when you go into somewhere and you find a new toy. And obviously puppies habituate their toys so quickly. Anything new is really thrilling. But with all due respect to the amazing people who offer uh, puppy accommodation, they might not be experts in toys. So you might find that they're quite easily destroyed. And, And as we always say, if a toy becomes damaged or chewed, or broken you really do need to remove it um to keep your puppy safe from swallowing small bits
0: well i was going to say uh, that actually we know at pets at home all of our toys um that are sold in store are completely and utterly tested yes uh, rigorously exactly. tested and exactly. you you just need to be sure don't you that they have been tested properly
2: exactly which comes back to knowing where the local vets are just in case yeah.
0: You know, you're out in the garden or you're on the beach. It's a lovely, glorious hot day, as we've been so blessed with lately. What are the first things that would be ideal
2: to have in your puppy pack to take to the beach with you? Well, I think it would be a great idea to take um, a raised bed with um, a canopy. And the canopies are actually UV reflective so that they can, the the bed keeps the, the dog away from the hot ground whether that's you're on grass or whether you're on sand, you have to remember that pavements and, and surfaces are a lot hotter than right. actual air temperature.
0: Do you know so, what? How long have I been working on this magazine? I've I've genuinely never heard of the raised bed. That's that's really good idea, isn't it? Because like you say, if you've got a flimsy little
2: mat or something and you're putting it on tarmac, that heat's going to go straight through, isn't it? Exactly. So, a raised bed is a great idea. And as I say, they're a UV reflective canopy. These are pack upable. They're super portable. You can sling the bag over your shoulder. They're super easy to build. They're brilliant, actually. And we sell some tents as well that you can pop your doggy in uh, just to keep the sun off them. So, the raised beds, could you actually maybe also put a cooling mat in that bed? So, yeah, Kate, you, you could. You could put a cooling pad. Probably better to put a cooling pad on half of a raised bed because the bottom of a raised bed is like a gauze where it, it, it helps air circulate and keep the pet cool when they're off the ground. You can definitely use a cooling pad on your floor in your house and recharge it on a cold floor. You can use it in your garden, on the grass, obviously better in the in the shade. When the dog lies on it, it, it starts its cooling action. Super good. You could use them in your car you know, obviously, it's critical that your dog's in the car for the minimal amount of time. It is, you know, has got as much air as possible. And obviously, you should never leave your dog in a car. But if you are traveling, for it to sit on a um, a cool pad, most of which don't move around as well. So the dog is secure on the back seat with its harness and its, its seatbelt harness. So it's nice and, and safe and cool as well. And if you're, you know, if you are traveling away for your holiday, then using one of those frozen toys that contains the water so it's not going to make a mess of your car but actually is cooling for quite a few hours then that can be a good kind of and buster stroke travel sickness companion if you will if your if your pup's not a great traveler in the car
0: yeah, multi-purpose, hard-working ideas, um, and also, yeah, like you say, that those those um frozen toys—they do—they don't just sort of come out and just go
2: Ooh, normal temperature again. Yeah. They do last; like do last for a few good few hours. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? In the car, you can certainly use the cooling jacket or a cooling bandana. These are brilliant. They're made from a special foamy material. You just soak them in cold water. Uh, bring them out and they'll feel quite heavy and quite wet but actually the dog doesn't get damp they just cool automatically so as i say a cooling vest or even a cooling bandana they come with a little pouch that you zip them into that makes sure that they stay kind of moist the whole time and they make such a difference and make your your puppy so much more comfortable say for example you are in your garden it's fantastic to provide your puppy with toys that can be filled with water and frozen. Uh, these are brilliant both to keep them cool, but also it really helps them when they're teething. So super puppy friendly. And one of the things I do, I mean, my, my, um, my dog, uh, Amber, she's sort of a puppy. She's hanging on to being a puppy right now. Uh, she absolutely loves ice. So sometimes I um, fill an ice tray with a one treat per cube and fill them with water, so that actually she licks the ice. She can actually.
0: Oh right, okay. So you're not just yeah, you're not just chucking her an ice cube. It's actually got a, a little treat yeah. frozen in the centre of the cube. Oh how lovely! What a brilliant idea! I will be trying that with my with my dog, who isn't a puppy. He is ten, but
2: oh, love sure. just love an ice cube. Yeah, he will love that. The other thing, you know, we sell um, paw pops. Which are like human ice pops, but they're for dogs and puppies, and they've got a kind of botanical liquid in them. It's kind of a herbal tincture, if you like, and that just gives a little bit of flavour and a little bit of goodness to um your pup as well. And they can, they can have it outside or you know in the house. It's just a nice piece of flavoured ice for them. And then the thing I love to do for Amber is take a licky mat and spread a very thin bit, not cover the whole mat because it would be too many calories for a growing puppy, but uh, I spread a little bit of peanut butter. So, yeah, you don't so we did that <laughs> peanut butter. And then, if you freeze that, and actually, you can use that putting it on the canopy, the raised bed to encourage your dog to go on there and stay under that UV roof. Uh, that works really well. I think that's quite a good, yeah.
0: Oh, that sounds great. And um, so just for the benefit of people that don't know what a Licky
2: Mat is, brilliant name. What is a Licky Mat, Claire? A Licky Mat is uh, a rubberised uh, flat item that's got lots of stipples over it. And you spread the um, whatever you like, uh, peanut butter, or you could use like a cream cheese. You spread that over and the stipples, they have to work really hard licking between the stipples to access the the um, paste. Wherever. Right
0: got you got you so it's, it's it's an also it's an occupier as well as as a as a
2: as a tasty treat absolutely absolutely and you know if you're in your garden as well it's immense fun to uh, give your dog a paddling pool and there's two ways of using a paddling pool obviously you can put water in it and you know if you put it in the shade the water hopefully stays cool although gosh when it was baking hot earlier it, it didn't stay so cool But you can also just forget the water or add the water. And you know those balls that you can buy for a a children's ball pit? Oh, yeah, yeah. As long as you watch, you have to supervise. Yeah, I always supervise puppies, yeah. Because you know what they're like. But just if you see them floating between the balls or diving in and, and accessing treats, you know, foraging for treats in a ball pit that you've effectively created in your swimming pool, that's fantastic. Genius idea. So we've got, let's go
0: and say, we've, um, let, let's just recap. So I'm sure there's a few other things. So we've got your cooling pads. You've got the, the UV raised bed. You've got the cooling jacket. You've got the funky bandanas. Um, we've got, um, we've got the paddling pool. We've got the canopies and tents. We've talked about ice pops. Um, oh, what about ice cream? Do
2: you, you can get ice cream for dogs, can't you? Yeah, you can. can like frozen yogurt, um, which comes in a little ice cream tub, and that's a great occupier as well. It freezes pretty hard, and it, it's it's uh, it, it's quite a long job for them to eat it. Obviously, there's calorie content, so you need to add that as part of your dog's daily in, intake. Yeah. But um, they're great, great idea. But there are some other calorie free things like lots, and lots of dogs love trying to chase squirting water, and garden fountains have like a a pedal on them where if the dog stands on the pedal the water shoots up so you have to connect it to your hose pipe and those are great fun as are sprinkler mats that the dog can sit in the middle and be covered with um sprinkling water
0: oh right so it's full of little holes i guess that's just coming up oh god how lovely i want one of those that sounds really
2: nice (laughs) oh they're, they're, they're great actually and when your dog's absolutely soaking wet, I have to say, I use this so much on my recent holiday. You can uh, get a brilliant item called a doggy bag. So basically, you pick up your, your wet and sandy pup, whether it's been in the river or whether it's been in the sea. You zip it into this doggy bag. and uh, There are many different kinds of these. Some are better than others. So you Velcro it around their, around their neck so, uh, and they're in this bag. You give them a big cuddle and a big rub and the substrate that the, the the bag is made from just creates friction to take away the sand and and dry the dog. That's a godsend, isn't it? I mean, that's saving your car. That's save, I mean, sand, come
0: on, let's face it, sand gets everywhere. So you are literally saving all of your towels, your interior of your car, the interior of your summer house, your holiday house, etc., Exactly that. Exactly. The that. Money, worth the money. Let's like say a little bit more expensive than most things, but definitely worth it in my books. So, have we covered cooling bowls? Are there are there bowls
2: that keep water cool for dogs? Yeah, there are. There are bowls that you can put into your freezer, um and actually, uh, some that just have a substrate within them that keep the water cool. Because yeah, you know, we we have to make sure that our dogs can access water at all times, and even popping a few ice cubes in the water. Is a great idea. Or if you've got my dog, she just pulls them out because she loves ice so much. Um,
0: <laughs> brilliant. Well, as ever, Claire, thank you very much for your uh, genius uh, list of ideas. There, fantastic products for keeping your little furry companions cool in these uh, hot months. And um, is there anything else? Is there anything else you want to add to the list of brilliant products that we've already
2: discussed? Oh well, as well as making sure that your dog is safe if you you know if you are close to water. One thing that's really fun in the garden is playing with the hosepipe in your dog because they will run after after the water that's coming out, the, the hosepipe, and they'll love it. I am sure I'm not the only one to try watering flowers and have a very wet dog that gets in the way each time. My dog barks at water.
0: He thinks it's his job to actually go, ah, ah, water, water, every time he sees water. I don't know how I've trained him to do that, but yeah, they, they, they just go crazy for water. You're right.
2: And I don't know if you've tried um, a bubble gun with your dog. They are so much fun, Kate. Peanut butter flavored bubbles. Oh my god, I want those myself. Oh, they're absolutely fantastic. You need to pop some batteries in them, so they're automatic. Squeeze the gun, and all of these beautiful holographic bubbles come out, and the dogs absolutely love chasing them. And they're peanut butter flavored bubbles. Peanut butter flavored. I think you can get bacon flavor as well. Actually, to (laughs) can?
0: bacon flavored bubbles yeah claire of course they're of course they're bacon flavored bubbles because claire gavin's just told so me bacon flavored bubbles exist people if, if you've taken anything away from this podcast apart from of course the important thing of dogs dying hot cars i think you know the the, the fun thing to end on there is good god peanut butter <laughs> bacon flavored bubbles you've made my week As ever, thank you very much, Clagavin, for joining us on the podcast. And I'm sure we will be seeing you again soon. So it's hot. They've got long coats. Some of them have, some of them are short-coated. But regardless of the length, they've all got fur on their bodies, which comes off
1: grooming. Really important in the hot weather. Really, really, really important. First things, don't be tempted to shave your puppy. Don't get rid of that fur. It actually works as a fantastic way to deflect heat as well as keeping them warm in the winter. It's always good to get your puppy used to being groomed at home. Just get a soft brush, have a brush of them, but also introduce them to the groom room, for example, to have a nice groom. They can't be fully stripped too young, but they can certainly have puppy grooms. And if we remove, you know, if we brush them regularly, remove all that dead hair, we're letting their natural body hair do all the things it's supposed to do in the summer months. So get grooming them, chat to the groom room. They're absolute experts at dealing with dogs in hot weather and what you should and shouldn't do.
0: Great. Okay. And uh, I, I think, I don't know what the name of it is because it might have changed since um, the last time I spoke about it, but there is a package. There's like a summer special package. So if you're if you're on the beach, you know, sun, sea and sand, you've got, you know, sand in the paws, all that salt water, it might be worth after a day at the beach to just find where your nearest groom room is and go in and, and give them a little spruce, give them a little spa treatment. Your puppy will thank you for it, I'm sure. And uh, I'll put in the notes a link to the Groom Room Summer Spa Special. That's not what it's called. I'm just calling it that. But yeah, click on the link and it will take you through to the correct thing. All right, let's move on to food then, Sam. Can hot weather result in a bad tummy or putting puppies off their food? I know my dog, you know, he is 10, but I haven't got a puppy. I'm sure, well, you've got a puppy. You've got 11-month-old. What's the name of your 11-month-old? Douglas. Douglas, what's Douglas like in the heat? Does he go off his food? Does he get bad tum-tum? Douglas
1: is a Labrador, so nothing will stop oh, him. Oh, so of course, yeah. Not He's an either. eating machine. He's an eating machine. But you do raise a good point, because some puppies can just go off the food a little bit in the hot weather. You know, we do as well. You just don't fancy the food. Yeah. So what I would say, if they're otherwise bright and well, no other symptoms, and they're eating a little bit, just monitor them, see how they do. Obviously, if you've got concerns, contact your vet. But it's not, I wouldn't be overly concerned for for a day as long as they're nice and bright and happy otherwise. Another thing that I was discussing with my colleague Richard before
0: we before we came on the record was he was asking, if you're concerned about whether your puppy is getting enough fluid, enough water, and then they're, they're normally on dry food, they're normally just on kibble, is it okay to stop, start introducing some wet with their dry food or is that going to upset their tummy or how, how, how would you play that one out? If you're just concerned that they're not getting enough liquid, would that help give them a bit wet? Um,
1: it would, but you make a point there about you've got to do it slowly. Any diet change in a puppy, dog, whatever age, actually, you've got to do it really, really slowly. So it would take about maybe a week, two weeks to introduce that food. The other thing you can do is simply add some water to their dry food. Soak it with water, leave it for a little bit, and then they're getting the moisture there and it's all yummy and nice. And along those lines, actually, if you're looking for a way to keep your puppy cool, if you've got a Kong toy, we've seen them all all over the place. You can get those biscuits, soak them in water, stuff it in the Kong and then put the Kong in the freezer. And you have made a Kong ice lolly. It's fantastic. And they'll spend ages licking away at it. So nice to keep them cool and they're getting that water again into them.
0: Yeah, oh, that's a great idea. Other hard rubber toys are available, just saying. (laughs) uh, So Pets at Home also sell ice lollies specifically for dogs. And, you know, obviously they like an ice cube
1: or two. Is it all right to give dogs ice cubes? Is that okay? Absolutely fine to give dogs ice cubes. Um, Now, under normal circumstances, they're not suffering from heat stroke. You're not concerned. You can pop the ice cube in the water. You can give them to them to crunch on. Where you don't use their ice ice cubes is if they're actually suffering from heat stroke and you're trying to cool them down. That's okay, not good. too much. While well, we're still on the subject of
0: food, I've been re- reading recently about the perils of feeding your puppy scraps and bits
1: from your barbecue. Do you want to take us through that, Sam? Yeah. So, you know, when you're cooking on your barbecue, it's really exciting for the puppy and they're going to probably hang around where you are. You could be tempted to give them some scraps. There's a couple of things here. If they've never had that before, that could give them an upset tummy straight away. One major thing to avoid is cooked poultry bones can cause absolute major problems for your puppy. So don't be tempted to give any cooked chicken that has bones in it. Just don't Uh, do it. Also, kebab sticks. We get to have so many kebabs, don't we, on the barbecue? Just watch where you're putting them when, you, when you're tidying up because they're still covered in the tasty, meaty juices. And that is fascinating to your puppy. Again, can cause big problems. Um, and a lot of the food that we cook on the barbecue is actually can be quite fatty. And that's not really good for them either. Uh, so just think about what your puppy normally eats, you know, and, and is it suitable for them? So just take care around that barbecue and tidy up your scraps afterwards and seal them in a bag, pop them in the bin pretty quickly
0: yeah and just to make sure i mean i know again i'm sure dogs aren't sort of attracted to alcohol but if you're putting your your plastic pint glass of beer down on the uh okay. or plastic cup of beer down on the floor just don't leave your dregs knocking about just in case they're like oh liquid what is attracted to your beer bees and wasps you oh, don't want to ruin yeah. your barbecue with a puppy that's been stung yeah you're just sitting yeah you're just creating a a a, a Veritable wasp trap on the floor Uh, with wriggly things in it and liquid. Not a good combination. They're going to be interested in it, aren't they? Let's face it. Okay, I remember a while
1: ago, Carleen was talking about the perils of sweet corn on the cob. Yes, 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 yes. You know the solid bit in the middle of your corn in the cob? That bit you don't eat. That is really tasty to puppies. Yeah. What they don't do is they don't chew it up. So it goes in whole and they swallow it whole. And that then nine times out of 10 causes an obstruction somewhere along their gastrointestinal tract and they're going to need surgery to fix that okay. and in some cases it can be fatal so you know just it's a bit like I said just now any scraps at the end put them in the bin put them in wrap them put them in the bin and don't be tempted to give that solid bit to your puppy to play with it's just not safe at all it's just not worth the risk no absolutely
0: Okay, moving on. Can we talk around maybe some basic puppy first aid? And I know in the first instance, it's always phone the vet, get to the vet. If there's an incident where you actually can't get to the vet or can't call the vet, not just first aid tips, but maybe first aid kit would be a better way to go. Are there there things you can have on your person that would, would be of
1: benefit if anything, you know, God forbid, did happen? Yep, absolutely. And actually, I'm going to start with something even basic that you might not think should be in a first aid kit, but should be. And that's a tick remover. Oh god, yes. Yeah, you're out on that walk and you see that nasty grey thing hanging off your puppy. If you've got a tick remover, you can whip that off really, really quickly and safely. So that I usually actually have that. Literally, I've got about four of them in every pocket of coat that I go dog walking with. In an actual like first aid kit, you're looking at your really at your basics like some cotton wool, some surgical sticky tape, some absorbent gauze, some blunt-ended scissors preferably curved but you don't want sharp sharp scissors basic bandages really basic bandages and a thick towel is useful to have as well just to to, sometimes just to keep the puppy calm more than anything if you've got one around a buster collar you know if they've if they've caused themselves a bit of a hurt and you need to stop them from licking at it whilst you get to the vet that's a good thing to do oh right is that the yeah the cone of shame the cone of shame poor little pooches but the kind of shame but the most important you know in a, in a puppy first aid kit is literally that it's just to keep them safe until you can get them to your vet uh, and there's lots of things that you can do like i say just to keep them safe you put a quick bandage on don't tie it too tight all the stuff that you've mentioned there you probably have in your house anyway but you can actually
0: purchase a, a, a puppy first aid kit for pets at home and also if you know if, if you don't know where to get them from your vet should be happy to help Sam, you mentioned previously just a minute ago. You mentioned uh, the the dreaded tick. So ticks are rife in summer, anyway, and they and they do pose a threat to both humans and puppies. Do you want to elaborate on that one? The major
1: thing with puppies is that they can cause local irritation. You know, local swelling, and actually, if you don't remove them properly, if you try to just pull them out, their teeth stay in your puppy, which is horrid, uh, and you can get, you can get an infection. So that's why I've spoken about you know, having a tick remover.
0: So should you should you be more
1: concerned about fleas in the summer
0: months and the winter months?
1: Yeah, you know, the fleas are here all year round. In the yeah. in the winter time, we turn our heating on. So they're like, wee, it's hot in the house. I'm gonna come out and play. And then in the summer it's hot everywhere. So they're out literally partying all the time. Uh, which is why yeah, we talk about year-round flea prevention. So important, so important.
0: So, Sam, I think we've pretty much covered everything that you can be alert about in the summer months uh, when it comes to your puppy's health thank you for all your wonderful advice and um as i said before there are two other episodes it's the vets for pets staycation puppy specials that are in the list here of episodes so go and have a listen to those and um thank you so much to my guests claire gavin and thank you sam for all your lovely veterinary advice i hope you and your puppy have a lovely rest of summer
1: Thank you very much indeed.
0: <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. And um, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. So, thank you for listening to our Pets at Home Puppy Podcast Summer Special. We hope you enjoyed it and um, learned a few things. And for more expert advice, you can visit vetsforpets.com and also over on petsathome.com. There is the pet talk section, which has also got some great advice. You can also join our free puppy club, and then you can receive tailored offers and discounts plus more expert pet care advice. You can join for free online or by downloading the VIP Club app uh, to access all these exclusive offers. You can also join our Facebook community, which is the Wagging Tail, Facebook group created uh, with puppies and their parents in mind. It's open to everyone on a journey with their new furry family member, You can join the group to surround yourself with friendly advice, top tips and like-minded owners who understand your struggles and celebrate your breakthroughs and love to see all those puppy pictures, obviously. You can also get in touch with us via Twitter, where our tag is at Pets at Home. And on Instagram, we are at Pets at Home UK. So yeah, please um, tell all your friends who are also puppy owners about our podcast, like and subscribe, spread the word. And yeah, we'll see you next time.